My name is Dr. Robert Wheeler. Today's date is April 28, 2017. I'm recording this at 1485 Pinecrest Road in Artusoft, New Jersey. It's about 9 p.m. Quiet out here. Peaceful. Helps me think. I have decided we must expose the immorality of Project Ares. It was not an easy decision. I have thought about it long and hard, but the events of the last weeks have brought me to this point. The man you hear on this tape is my late father. When I started at Project Ares, my integrity and reputation were flawless. I had great plans for the program. The research was incredibly stimulating and important, but now I would not dare to look my former colleagues in the eye. I have committed terrible atrocities. I am not a man of science anymore. At best, I am a med scientist. The day after he recorded this, on April 29th, 2017, he disappeared. To this day, no one knows if he's dead or alive. Once my role in this is exposed, I will probably lose everything. There is little doubt in my mind I will be ostracized by the scientific community. The government, my employer, will destroy whatever will be left of my reputation. Or worse, they will silence me for good, just like they have done with other whistleblowers before me. But I am willing to make this sacrifice in order to put an end to Project Ares. It simply must be done. Two days ago, my mother received a final notice for an unpaid storage space in my dad's name. I went to clear it out and found boxes upon boxes of recordings and journals he kept about his work for the government. He wanted them to be public. The amount of suffering and torture being inflicted upon innocent subjects in the name of scientific progress is not only immoral and unethical, but it is plain obscene. We must stop it now, at all cost. I have recordings of every session conducted with... Uh, with Rick over the last two years, as well as some conversations with colleagues. They should provide you with plenty of first-hand evidence about the malfeasance and depravity of Project Ares. After our conversations, I trust you will find the courage to publish it. No matter the adversity you will surely encounter, it is not too late to preserve our humanity. And you might be instrumental in doing so. Maybe we will see each other again soon. But until then, I had no idea what I would find when I drove to the storage place. I was expecting something like an old coin collection and some porno magazines Dad was hiding from Mom. But then I listened to this tape, and it sounded crazy. Dad talking about torture, committing atrocities, his life might be in danger. I had this mental image of him coming home from work with his briefcase, chit-chatting with Mom at the dinner table, pushing peas around on his plate like any other suburban dad. Nothing like what he was talking about on the tape. But the thing is, I never knew what he was doing at his work. None of us did. In March of 2015, he started working on a highly classified program for the Department of Defense called Project Ares. And the fact is, two years later, he vanished. It never occurred to me before the two might be related. I never allowed myself to think there might have been foul play and possibly a cover-up. But if what we just heard is real... If Dad was involved in some nefarious government program he wanted to expose, maybe he was silenced. Maybe there is a crime to uncover here, and these recordings he left behind, the hundreds of tapes in the storage unit, hold the answers about what happened to him. His disappearance affected me. It changed me. 
but I never got any closure over the last two years. And the only way for me to get closure now is to find out the truth about his disappearance. So that's what I'll do. As I record this, I don't have any of the answers yet. I don't know how long it will take to get them, where it will lead me, who could help me along the way. You, the listener, will be right there with me as I put together this puzzle piece by piece. This is past continuous. Before we go any further, though, let me take a step back and tell you about my relationship with Dad. It wasn't always easy. Oh, and maybe I should introduce myself, too. My name is Floralyn Wheeler, but you can call me Lynn. A year ago, I graduated from Columbia Film School to be a documentary filmmaker. Since then, it's been a lot of ramen dinners and unpaid bills. I stuck it out in the city for a while, trying to get my first film project financed while bartending and babysitting. But after the sixth time in a row my rent was late, my roommates kicked me out. And after a month or two of couch surfing, I decided to swallow my pride and move back in with my mom in Tom's River, New Jersey. It's temporary, of course, until the film financing comes together eventually. Meanwhile, I'm waiting tables at the local diner to at least have some pocket change. Maybe Dad was right. He always disapproved of my artistic endeavors. A neuroscientist with a PhD, he was pragmatic to a T, had no time for what he perceived as foolishness or flights of fancy. The only vice he allowed himself was one glass of Swiss vodka twice a week. The bottle was shaped like a mountain range. There was gold dust floating inside. After he poured himself a drink, it looked like a snow globe with golden snow. I remember when I was eight or nine, we were on vacation in Rhode Island. My sister Hazel and I collected seashells on the beach one day. At home, I held the shell to my ear. I heard waves crashing, the sound of the ocean, the immense, unknowable expanse contained in the small object I was holding in my hand. It lit my mind on fire. I realized the world is full of wonders, there for us to uncover. Excited, I told Dad about it. He looked at me and said that what I was hearing was not the ocean, but ambient noise amplified by the form of the shell, making it sound like the swooshing of waves. No wonder, no excitement, just a cold, clinical explanation. After the vacation, I left the shell in some drawer somewhere. Years later, when we moved to a different house, I found it again. I held it to my ear, but couldn't hear anything. The ocean, the expanse, the wonder vanished from the shell. Where had it gone? I was always the black sheep of the family. Hazel was a good one. She had perfect grades, she always knew she wanted to become a doctor, and she worked towards that goal her whole life. Me, I was making huge mixed-media artworks instead of homework, soiling my entire room with paint and glue and whatnot, getting high and mostly ignoring school. My dad raged and raved at the sight of my grades. When I announced I wanted to become a filmmaker and started making shorts with a group of friends, He wanted to send me to a boarding school to teach me discipline. When I showed him my first short film, he sat through it silently and when it was over, said only three words, not very polished. That one really hurt. I didn't talk to him for weeks after. In March of 2015, dad was hired by Project Ares. The work was classified. All he told us was that he was studying the effect of battle on soldiers' brains. I imagine combat veterans with electrodes on their shaved heads, bawling their eyes out while recounting some harrowing war story, and my dad coldly glancing at a readout from some machine. Not interested in the human, only interested in the science. By the time dad started working for the DOD, I had already left the house. 
I bought a one-way ticket to New Zealand and ended up staying there for a year. After high school, I had missed the deadline for applying to colleges, so I drifted up and down the South Jersey coast, partying, drinking, coming apart at the seams. Dad was right to be pissed. Here I was, rebel without a cause, from a well-to-do family of academics, with all the privilege in the world, and I was wasting it away in flop houses with shady dudes waiting for me to be fucked up enough so they could feel me up. After a few months of this, my parents were about ready to throw me out of the house, so I scraped together the rest of my money and escaped to the other end of the world. I backpacked through the countryside, straightened out, started giving serious thought to what direction my life should go in. I also realized Dad wasn't just raining on my parade like I always thought. He was worried that without the anchor of science, the only way he knew how to make sense of the world, my life would become unmoored and I would drift off into oblivion. He had lost a brother to alcoholism. His brother was a writer. He just didn't want the same type of thing happening to me, a creative type too. When I came home, I wanted to make amends. I didn't know how exactly, but that was my plan. I wanted to tell Dad that I understood now, that he didn't need to worry. I would never be a scientist, but I would be respectable, self-disciplined, prolific, someone he could be proud of. But before I was able to work up the nerves to have this conversation with him, Dad disappeared. Just went to work one morning and never came back. Because his work was classified, the DOD never released any information about what he did or why he could have gone missing. The FBI wouldn't hear our case. The police took a missing persons report, but after not even two weeks, they stopped investigating because they had nothing to go on. Even my mom just accepted his disappearance and moved on. It was like a collective effort to wheel him out of ever having existed. I remember at the time feeling an incredible amount of anger, and trying to express my anger to the people around me felt like screaming into a pillow. I exhausted myself, but no one else could hear it. Back in the day, the lead detective for Dad's missing persons case gave me his card and told me to call him if anything came up. So when I first found the tapes, that's what I did right away. I thought he would be all over the tapes. Surely this would help break the case wide open. But when I went to see him, the opposite happened. You know I can't talk to you, right? Why not? Isn't this why you gave me your card? It's not whether I want to or not. I can't. But this is new evidence. We exhausted all avenues already. Just won't tell us anything new. How can you know without looking at it? Sometimes decisions are made that are above your pay grade. What do you mean? Nothing. Are you saying someone's suppressing the investigation? I'm not saying anything. You seem like a good kid. I wish I could help you. Who's trying to suppress the investigation? That's your car over there, right? You get in and drive away. Answer my question. Leave, or have an officer escort you to your car. That was the moment I realized something was seriously wrong here. There really was some kind of cover-up going on. Why would the lead investigator in my dad's case refuse to see new evidence and imply he was told to stand down? And when I think back to how the case was handled at the time, it's amazing to me that I hadn't been more suspicious. But now, suspicious was all I was. And if there were really forces out there trying to hide what happened to dad, it was even more motivation for me to go after the truth. Everything that happened these last two years my studies, dipping my toes into the world of investigative filmmaking, having to move back to Jersey, it all feels like it was preparing me for this moment, like this was meant to be. So this one's for you, Dad. Wherever you are now, maybe I can finally make you proud. This is Dr. Robert Wheeler. Today's date is the 2nd of October, 2016. I'm here with subject number 00061. Full implementation was completed yesterday. 
Can you tell me your name? Rick. Rick Saunders. Age? 29. Do you know where you are? No, I have no idea. Do you know who's president? I'm... I don't know. What's the last thing you remember? Am I in the hospital? What's going on? Just stay calm and answer the question. What is the last thing you remember? I don't know. Getting ready to work. I was out of milk for my coffee. I was annoyed about that. Was I in an accident on my way to work? What is your work? I'm a paralegal. Can you answer my question? What happened? Where am I? A paralegal? Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. Can you tell me what's going on already? Wh who are you? <sighs> That's not good. Uh, Dr. O'Rourke, we need to recalibrate. Something went wrong with the implementation. Should we take him away? Yes, come get him, please. Hey, don't touch me! Stop it! Let go of me! Let go of me! What are you doing? Hey, let me go! Okay, so the first thing I need to do is figure out what Dad did at Project Ares, what it was he wanted to expose. Because I honestly have no idea. But where to start? There are thousands of hours of recordings here, and the boxes are completely disorganized. Only thing to do? Grab one at random and get to work. The one I got was labeled Subject 00061, and what we just heard was on the first tape. I don't know what you think, but my first impression was... I guess I was confused. I mean, first of all, this didn't seem to be a soldier. That's the only thing I thought I knew about Dad's work, and apparently that was a lie too. But second of all, what exactly is going on here? Who is this subject in the first place? The guy didn't even seem to know where he was. What is recalibration supposed to mean? And why drag him away violently? There are a bunch more tapes in this box, so let's listen to the next one. It was recorded the next day. This is Dr. Robert Wheeler. Today's date is the 3rd of October, 2016. I'm here with subject number 00061. Recalibration was completed earlier this morning. Can you tell me your name? Uh, Rick. Rick Saunders. Age? 29. Do you know where you are? No, I have no idea. Do you know who's president? I'm... I don't know. What's the last thing you remember? Am I in the hospital? What's going on? Just stay calm and, and answer the question. What is the last thing you remember? I don't know. I was getting ready for work. Oh yeah, flat tire when I got to my car. My boss was giving me an earful because I would be late. What's your job? I'm an air traffic controller. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. And how long have you been doing that? Can you please answer my question? What's going on? Where am I? Same voice, same guy, but different person somehow? What was this? Some kind of brainwashing exercise? A Manchurian candidate type deal? Dad flips the Queen of Diamond and suddenly Rick Saunders, or Subject 0060, thinks he has a different job or a different past? I sat for hours in the storage unit with my headphones, listening to Dad's sessions with this guy. It was such a strange thing. Subject number 00049, can you tell me your name? Rick, Rick Saunders. Age? 29. Do you know where you are? No, I have no idea. Dad always asks the same things. Subject number 00074. Do you know where you are? No, I have no idea. With subject number 00126. Can you tell me your name? Rick. Rick Saunders. Age? 23. He almost always got the same answers, except for these small details. What is the last thing you remember? Tell me about your mother. My mom passed away two years ago. I was rock climbing, I think, and then 
Nothing. Am I in the hospital or Tell something? Tell me about your mother. I don't know. I texted her last night. She seemed fine. Do you know where you are? No, I have no idea. What is the last thing you remember? I don't know. I mean, I was at home, definitely. Maybe watching TV or something. And he could get really excited about it. Great. Exactly. Very good. And sometimes, Dad didn't hear what he wanted to hear, and Rick got dragged away. We need to recalibrate. Hey, get away from me. What are you doing? Where are you taking me? What was the difference between a satisfactory answer and one that wasn't? We need to recalibrate. Come get him, please. And was it really the same person every time? Was there really just one Rick? It didn't make any sense. What work do you do? I'm a science teacher. And another weird thing. This was all completely benign. At the beginning of the episode, we heard Dad talk about torture, atrocities, a shadowy government program inflicting harm on people. But this can't be it, right? Age, 25. Do you know where you are? No, I have no idea. The tapes supposedly contain first-hand evidence of the malfeasance and depravity of Project Ares. What malfeasance, though? What depravity? Unless the fact that Rick had these split personalities was the torture, that he was somehow subjected to some horrible procedure. But what procedure? And to what end? On the surface, it all seemed so harmless. Certainly nothing you would risk your life over. What was I missing here? This is Dr. Robert Wheeler. I'm here with subject number 00059. What is your professional occupation? That's what I was missing. First time I heard it, I didn't even know how to react to it. I just put a pin in it and moved on. But then, I found this. What's going on? This is how we found it today. I'm so sorry. Did you do a scan? Yes, everything looks normal. My functions, normal as well. Uh, the chip is working as intended. Clearly not. Maybe a compression problem? No, he wouldn't have functioned at all. We'll have to terminate it and analyze the chip. I want a preliminary report in the morning. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Get to work. This was not the sound of a human. I think we can agree on that. This sounded like a robot malfunctioning, a machine short-circuiting, a bad Skype connection. Definitely not like a human being. But this was also the first clue of what was really going on at Project Ares. Here's what I figure. Dad was working on machine intelligence, AI. That's why there are so many different versions of Rick and why Dad has to refer to him with a number. Sometimes the programming didn't take. No, something went wrong. We need to recalibrate. Come get him, please. And sometimes, the whole machine would just glitch. I found this other box filled with notebooks. My dad's journals. Or, I shouldn't say journals. These are protocols of his day-to-day. -day. Thousands of pages of this stuff. It'll take me weeks to go through it all, but let's see. I'm opening one at random here. What do we got? Ah, yeah, here we go. <clears throat> Listen to this. September 25th, subject 00073, terminated recalibration, and another attempt. September 27th, subject 00074 in ICU, brain chip is being reconfigured. September 28th, brain chip reconfigured successfully, full implementation tomorrow. October 2nd, full implementation successful, memory update run without incident, first session completed as intended. October 14th, modest celebrations uh, with O'Rourke, this implementation seems a success. Amazing to be uh, his, um, no, its creator. October 15th, 00074, terminated today. Malfunctioning and unresponsive. Great, 
disappointment, anxious for chip analysis. October 21st, subject 00075 in ICU, brain chip is being reconfigured, optimistic about outcome. Okay, so this confirms what I suspected. Rick is an AI. They were reprogramming it, and the sessions on the tapes are some sort of Turing test, I guess. It's uncanny how real it sounds. I mean, Dad said it too. He had to remind himself it was just a machine and not an actual human being. If there weren't recordings of Rick malfunctioning, I would have never guessed it myself. But the question still remains. Why did Dad want to shut down Project Ares? He called it unethical and obscene. But all I hear is just an incredibly realistic-sounding AI and my dad asking it questions to test its functionality. Surely the machine malfunctioning cannot be what my dad refers to as torture, right? So there must be something else. Something I'm not seeing yet. Am I supposed to talk into this like this? That's my mom, Laura. Perfect. Just talk into it like you normally would. That's fine. How was your shift today, okay? My fucking hair smells like fire grease. How many times do I have to tell you not to curse like that? It's unseemly for a young lady. Remind me what this is for. I'm just going to ask you a few questions. About Dad. Dad? Why? I'm wondering if you knew anything about the work he did for the DOD. Did you? No, I didn't. He never talked about it. You know nothing about it? He wasn't allowed to say anything. You're his wife. He never confided in you? All I know is he worked with soldiers. I assume it had something to do with shell shock. You mean PTSD? Whatever they call it nowadays. He never said anything else? No. I can't believe that you... You must have known something. It weighed on him, this work. It changed him by the end. What do you mean? Okay, I'm done here. I said enough. Mom, Mom, I I just want to know what happened. Whatever it is you're doing, just stop it now. I don't want to hear anything more about it. Hello, Ms. Wheeler. This is Sean Walsh from TQM Productions. I came across your film proposal for the clarity of fog. In fact, your old professor, Harold Martinstein, talked to me about it. Interesting stuff. I'd love to chat about it with you sometime. Maybe there's an opportunity for us to collaborate. I'll be in New York for the next 10 days. You can give me a call at... And we can discuss more. Talk to you soon. Bye. A call from a legit producer wanting to work with me on the movie I had dreamed of doing for years. My big lucky break. I could finally get out of Jersey back into the city and live that bohemian filmmaker lifestyle I always wanted. But what did I do instead of calling him back? I went to the storage unit and listened to more tapes of Dad and Rick. Talking with Mom made it obvious she was hiding something about him. It reminded me of right after he disappeared, how passive she seemed about it. She accepted a government payout, signed some papers, and told me to leave it be. It was like she had some piece of information that helped her move on, information I didn't have. And it wasn't only her. Everyone around us seemed to not make that big of a deal about it, as if they knew something about it, too. Was I the only idiot being kept in the dark about something relating to my dad's disappearance? It weighed on him, this work. That's what Mom said. And Dad said Project Ares turned him into a mad scientist. There was something else going on here other than the research into AI technology, and it messed with Dad's head. Were they somehow using this research on real human beings or something? But what could that even be? All the first-hand evidence is on these tapes. That's what he said at the beginning. And that's another thing. Who was this first tape addressed to? 
He was talking to somebody specific. Someone else is out there looking into Project Ares. Someone who knows something fishy is going on there. Someone who expected to get these tapes. Someone who could help me find the answers. I wish I knew who it was. Meanwhile, it was like there was a big balloon floating over my head. And with each new question, it got bigger and bigger and always bumped onto the back of my head with each step I took. So back to the tapes. The tapes and the journals. That's all I have to go on. Somewhere in there are all of the clues. But with thousands of hours of recordings, finding these clues is a definite needle in the haystack situation. But you know what? After another all-nighter at the storage place, surrounded by takeout containers and empty coffee cups, I did find the needle. And that needle made the balloon over my head pop so loud it almost pierced my eardrums. And not because I got a resounding answer to all of my questions. It's because it blew this mystery wide open. What's your first memory? My first, the first thing you remember in your life. No wrong answer here, anything that comes to mind. Why are you asking me this question? Humor me. I don't know, man. Maybe mom and me sitting at the kitchen table. She peels an apple, tries to peel the skin off in one single ribbon, you know? In the end, she holds it up, smiles a big old smile, all proud and shit. But all I can look at is the flesh of the apple already browning and going bad. Subject 00236. What's your earliest childhood memory? What? The earliest memory you can think of. What is it? I don't know. Try to think. There's no wrong answer. Anything that comes to mind. I guess... Maybe a vacation with my parents in Rhode Island. Collecting seashells on the beach with my brother. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I remember when we got home, I held one to my ear, and, and I could still hear the ocean. I was bugging out. A whole ocean contained in this tiny little thing in my hand, you know? But then I put it in a drawer and forgot about it. Years later, when we moved, I found it again. Held it to my ear, but couldn't hear anything. The ocean inside the shell was gone. Remember how I told you this exact same memory and almost the exact same words? I mean... Collecting seashells as a kid surely is not an uncommon memory, but the sensation of listening to it later at home, and the way my mind expanded, and then forgetting about the shell, finding it years later, but the sound had gone? This man, no, this humanoid, cyborg, machine, described my memory exactly how I would describe it. This is not some kind of coincidence. This is beyond my comprehension. Imagine a vivid memory from childhood. Something you've thought about again and again over the years. And then you find out someone else out there, but not even someone else, something else, thinks that exact memory happened to them. It was programmed into them by someone. And this someone was my dad. How else, how else could you explain it? How did the ghost of my childhood make it into that machine? <laughs> 